Hello and welcome to today's episode of Cabaret, darlings. I, I need a theme tune. That's what I'm I doing. I was going to like preempt a jingle. Yeah. Cabaret, darlings. Cabaret, darlings. Welcome to Cabaret, darlings. Da, 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 da. There we go. <laughs> that was just a 20th century fox thing, and I hope they don't sue me for that. Um, I'm your host, Millie Dollar. This is what I sound like. And we are sponsored today by my eco friendly sideline. MillieDollarBeauty.com, a range of vegan biodegradable cosmetic glitters, super light, amazing synthetic silk lashes, and you can save using our podcast promo, Cabaret Darlings, all one word, all caps, to save 10% on your next order. Woo! Woo! The crowd goes wild. And today, my guest is the one and only Mandy Tootle. Hello. I just like saying it like that. Tootle. I, I like the <laughs> way say you say it. If you want. It makes it sound exotic. Yeah. Because when I say it, Mandy Tootle. It's, it's, it's putting a little bit of a French inclination. Tootle. Oh, yes. Mandy Tootle. Yeah, because, because you can tell by the sound of my voice, I'm really cultured. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're well travelled, you know. I <laughs> yeah. would love, love a bit of. Uh, French. I've done all the Northwest. <laughs> I am well travelled. <laughs> the entire north of England. Hey, listen, next year I'm going to London. Come on, Ooh, now. that's yeah. really out my comfort You've got to get. Zone. You have to get a train. Get on one yeah. of them trains. Get one of Virgin Pendolinos. We would like sponsorship, please. There's <laughs> also Virgin. ones that spin from side to side. Well, there's the, the new ones that are coming now, but I don't think they're um, for another two years. The super high speed train. That are meant to get you across country within like an hour or something. And now I've got Ridiculous. a vision of being sat on a train with G force just being just pinned <laughs> to the part of my seat, trying to eat a like sandwich. <laughs> That's what I imagine, just like against the back of the wall, like everyone, like, no, I don't want anything from the trolley. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> right, it'll so. stop people like messing about there, won't it? Yeah. If you're pinned to your chair, literally. This is true. Like, this is, it's one way of settling down those rowdy commuters. <laughs> yeah, so there's no need for quiet zones no. anymore because everyone's just pinned to the back of the seat. Yeah, plus you're moving so fast that sound has no more concept. <laughs> wow. Using headphones is moot. Yeah, we've just yeah. blown everyone's mind now, haven't we? We have. There's loads of people going to be out there listening to this. Like, yeah, Richard Whoa. Branson hit us up. Yeah, and sponsor me, please. <laughs> I would like some money. Uh, <laughs> I'd like some money too. And yes, money for everyone, please. Let's just share the wealth like we should. Yeah. 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 Makes sense, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we met almost two years ago. Yeah. I think. Because yeah. it was not last Christmas, but the Christmas before when That's I was right. doing Cherie Baby's uh, Christmas show. Yeah, over which at Which is now like a yearly tradition. Yeah, so I'll be back there yes. again this year. <laughs> yeah. Can't get rid of me. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the first thing that you said to me? Um, I remember that I was in a queue for the toilet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> was, it, was it something along the lines of, oh, I need a piss? No. Was so, it less or more classy than that? <laughs> oh, it was definitely classy. Okay. It, it, it's like, the, it's my funniest moment <laughs> of right. ever first meeting somebody from Burles. <laughs> so you'd just okay. performed and it was the interval. Yes. And um, we were stood in the queue and you were stood at the side of me and you just sort of like gave me this massive smile and just leaned over and said, but you don't recognise me with your clothes on, do you? <laughs> A lot of people have said that to me, though. Like, loads of people are like, oh, don't recognise you with your clothes on. Like, do you not look at my face? Or I was like, yes, yes, I do recognise you, Millie Dollar. 
Oh, thank you for looking at my face while I performed at some point. Always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised how many people evidently don't, considering how many people tell me that they don't recognise me. It must be an occupational hazard. Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of being... It's really useful for being in the witness protection program. Um, all you need to do is strip and they won't look at your face. Yeah. So you're good. Hidden in plain sight. Yes. Like smoke and mirrors, literally. Oh, yeah. Smoke, mirrors and nipple tassels. Exactly. <laughs> That's the name of a show and we've just patented that. You can't have it. Yeah. Copyright um, via this podcast. <laughs> Right here. <laughs> That's all you need to do. Copyright stuff. Yeah. Uh, just read it out loud. Yeah. On a recording. If you say Bagsy, Bagsy, we've got that. Dibs. There we go. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> so um, after the first time we met, yeah, you then booked me for one of your amazing shows. Yes, I did. Yeah, we got you over to Titters and Tassels. Titters and Tassels with Toots and Lee. Yes, over in Manchester. Yeah. And uh, we had lots of fun, didn't we? Oh, yes, we did. Yeah. Um, where I made the very fatal error of taking <laughs> a cup of water on stage, <laughs> which Millie then knocked over and spilled over one of her very glamorous yeah. bowers. To, to be fair, I didn't see the cup. I just sort of threw a piece of costume, which must have hit the cup. Um, I think <laughs> the fault is definitely with me, though. Um, and I was like devastated when you came into the back and you were just holding up this boa that was dripping just drenched rat like looking boa yeah. like does anyone have a hair dryer and bless you like, you were like <laughs> the nicest person ever i was mortified and you were and you were like it's okay and i think one of the <laughs> stage it kittens <laughs> was wringing it out she was like <laughs> her hands were blue yeah that, that's the issue because it's all hand dyed feathers yeah. they the dye spreads like crazy <sighs> So um, every year, every um, St. Patrick's Day, yeah. uh, I get booked to do Albert Schloss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they love the green outfit. Yeah. But I'm on a podium dancing in that entire outfit for maybe 20 minutes and then I'll go on stage. Yeah. By that point, I've sweated so much that my arse has turned green. Oh, my God. And two years in a row, I've been with baby wipes scrubbing my arse, <laughs> trying to get the green off. Before I then change and do another act, because yeah. otherwise the audience are going to be like, yay, why is her ice cream? Is this just a weird St. Patrick's Day tradition? I'm like, yes, yeah, I just paint my asshole green and go, <laughs> kiss me, I'm Irish. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll for forever yeah. now know Miller Dollar's bum is the Blarney Stone. <laughs> it is. <laughs> give you the gift of something. <laughs> The gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> we had hope not. <laughs> <laughs> We've taken a very weird turn. Now. Yes, well, d- that happens. It's frequent. It's fine. <laughs> kind of used to it now in the podcast. That there'll always be some strange turn where yeah. it's like, oh, okay, we've ended up here now. <laughs> yeah. The point so, of this is, uh, yeah. I almost destroyed your outfit, but you're still speaking to me. So but that's yeah, lovely. and you know, we're still friends. I haven't <laughs> held it against you. <laughs> like, ah, uh, you owe me. But what? I, um, yeah, it happens. Yeah, you know, and, it happens. And I just want to let dry. Like future performers know that um, obviously we don't take water onto the stage anymore. Plus, so maybe uh, you know the amount of years I've been using that costume, it probably could have doubled the wash. Yeah, and so um, what we're saying is, I helped you though. You helped me clean something yeah. that has never been cleaned before. It's all part of the surface. That's yeah, what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
but then after uh, working together at your show, yeah. you then came to do our um, Dollar Bill Showcase. We had Toots and Lee yes. comparing yes. while many performers took to the stage for the first time yes. ever, yeah. which is hell of an experience so it's quite nice to share it with with you guys yeah well we're we're really really supportive of <laughs> newcomers yeah. and so we loved the idea when you asked us mm-hmm. um but what i didn't tell you at the time was oh. that actually i was so ill oh no way i mean like i had a fever oh my god and i didn't want to let you down and oh, i wanted to come you. and support the girls so they basically shoveled a load of tablets down me and just pushed me onto the stage. <laughs> like, and I go. just like... Because you were singing and yeah. everything on yeah. stage. Oh, Jesus Christ. The were show like... must go on. Yeah, but you were, you, were you watching the show and you're yeah. like, my favourite was that dragon that <laughs> appeared. <laughs> that was a bit trippy, but... I actually, no, I actually remember most of the performances, I think. Because yeah. um, I, I don't know, it's like adrenaline's a funny thing, isn't it? It is, yeah. You know, and um, it just kicked in, powered me through, yeah. and then yeah. um, I died for three days. <laughs> it, that's one thing that a lot of people don't, I, I think in in um, regular Joe, let's say, yeah. they don't realise that a lot of the times yeah. you might see a performer on stage who's very sick yeah. and they just keep going. Yeah. Just keep pushing through. Yeah. Because I've had, I, obviously, now I've been doing this for 13 years, so I've had times where I've um, felt like I was going to throw up on stage. Yeah. Um, I've had really bad colds or flus or something. Yeah. And um, I think, I remember the worst situation was when I was doing a show in Switzerland. Oh, yeah. And I got a really bad cold. And... I kept taking shots of rum <laughs> because I needed something to stop me from coughing and that was the only yeah. thing that was working. So I'd take a shot before I went on stage. Yeah. But the area that you waited to go on stage was a little cupboard off to the side from the stage. So right. you kind of make your way from the dressing room yeah. into this cupboard. And into wait. a cupboard. Into a cupboard. You and entered then, through yeah. a cupboard. Yeah. Got okay. <laughs> it's like stairs in your eyes. There, you know? um, <laughs> and then walk on out of this cupboard yes. onto the stage and uh i sneezed <laughs> which is bad enough when i'm when you're wearing a corset it's really painful to sneeze but i sneezed and this huge bogey just went boom, down my face oh my and i there was no tissues no there was no one there with me yeah. and i had to go oh shit what am i what am i gonna do so what i had to just very do? carefully use my gloves <laughs> use my glove and kind of mop enough of it away oh because God. Th- I could hear them on stage yeah. doing my intro yeah and I'm like oh god oh, I've no. got a bogey I've got a bogey on my face shit 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 yeah so all I could do was kind of scoop it back up, <laughs> with, it back like, up. yeah but with a glove like yeah. I can't get back in there there's nowhere oh. for you to go right now and um go on stage and perform like and a then... prolapse bogey you've pushed it back up with your glove yes. <laughs> Just like a bubble. You're hearing all the behind the scenes secrets now. I feel guys. like everyone who listens to the podcast have heard so many weird stories of like where I go, this one time, because I just have no boundaries when it comes to these kind of gross, funny stories. Because I'm just like, this is funny. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you about this time I nearly shit myself. No, I, <laughs> I did not. <laughs> that didn't happen. Disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> 
Right, so you've been uh, touring your own show. You've got a one-woman show. Yes. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I've been um, touring Twin Peaks, mm -hmm. uh, which is basically my story about an idiot, that's me, journey-free breast cancer. Mm -hmm. um, and bas basically, uh, I fell into comedy. Okay. So I only you... actually started performing in 2014. Oh, right. So, yeah, I've been doing it since 2014. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2009 mm -hmm. and went through a pretty horrible 18 months of treatment and surgery and stuff like that. And ever since that experience, I sort of looked at life in a new light and I said yes to a lot more things. Yeah. Um, so I got asked to do a comedy workshop for charity and believe it or not, I couldn't even stand on stage and speak in front of, in front oh, of really? people at all. So you were quite anxious about yeah. public so I, speaking. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. Um, as soon as they put that microphone in my hand, I just didn't want to give it back. It was, it's just <laughs> like a switch. Like, Do you know what? I've got some shit to say. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> am funny. I have a microphone and you will listen to me. Yeah. It's a bit like the wedding singer, that scene. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I got into comedy and, mm -hmm. and I just decided uh, to write a show about my experiences. Um, there was so many funny things that happened to me. But... Cancer can be quite isolating. As being a young woman, I was only 30 when I was diagnosed. Yeah. It was pretty hard how people would react to you. Did you have, like, uh, an array of reactions from people? Like... It, it's just more more a case of people are so frightened of the word itself. Yeah. That I always say cancer is a bit like Voldemort. You do not speak right, its yeah. name. The very mention of its name, you're running, mm -hmm. screaming into the opposite direction. Um, so people reacted to it in a very weird way yeah um it's so it, quite shocking because it's yeah something that has affected pretty much every person i know yeah. they've had someone in their yeah. life who yeah. had cancer they've had themselves yeah. it's it's uh it's quite a high yeah. probability that yeah people have it's a very relatable subject basically yeah. and that's what i wanted to do in the show is basically i wanted to try and break down those barriers to yeah. talking about something that everyone's frightened about mm -hmm. talking about um, in a way that's that's quite different and humour, bring humour into it. Because you can find humour in the darkest yeah. places sometimes. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to do with the show. Um, so it has a really sort of underlying message about raising awareness mm -hmm. as well. And that's what I've been doing. I've been up to Edinburgh with it yeah. this year. Um, which was really great. And that went very well. I was getting some uh, updates. Yeah, while it went okay. It's hard work. It okay. <laughs> it's hard work. It broke me a little bit. Um, yeah. But it was also one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. And I loved every minute of it. Even, mm -hmm. even the bits that were hard work. I loved yeah. it. I loved I, it all. Edinburgh is, is notoriously quite a tiring um, yeah. project to undertake. Yeah, it was full but on. You were getting quite a lot of really good reviews. Yeah, yeah, I got some really accolades. I got, I got some good reviews. I also mm -hmm. um, applied through the the venue that I was doing summer hall, which is like um, biggest arts venue in the country. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, so I managed to get onto summer hall um, yeah. for Edinburgh, and and I applied for another festival, Vault Festival, 
yeah. through through them, um, which I just got the good news a couple of weeks ago that I'll, I'll be doing Vault Festival as well. Amazing. So, yes, so where now. where is it? So um, Vault Festival is in London. Okay. Um, if you want to give dates for people, yeah. So I'll be down in London um, the twenty ninth of February and mm-hmm. the first of March. Yeah. So you can find all my details so on two nights only. So if you yeah. are out there and you're in London, yeah, better grab them. Come tickets. and see me, and we can be breast friends. Together. Breast friends. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of more boob puns now, but <laughs> don't stare at me on the boob puns. I want uh, puns. Boob boob puns. <laughs> teeth. Let me just put my teeth back in. <laughs> boob puns. It's very hard for my no, girl I, from I Wigan do. to wrap the cells around yeah, these words. Yeah, I do love a good boob pun though. That's the thing. Okay, <laughs> I might slip a few in later. Yeah, uh, just as we just as I tell you the story, just slip the occasional <laughs> tit in there. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> we're both friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you are um, from Wigan. I am indeed. Yeah, and um, we noticed the twang. Yeah, I think people might have picked that up by yeah. this, by this point. I would hope. You know, we're a few minutes in now. <laughs> people still get confused by my accent because I've not li- actually lived in Wigan for like twenty years. Yeah. So they 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 sort of dance around. Are you from Bury, Bolton, yeah. and eventually, eventually we get to Wigan. <laughs> so and you then make everyone them runs keep away. Guessing. They're like, nope, keep going. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to say next? In a passive-aggressive kind of way. No, yeah. I'm not from Bolton. Um, have you ever seen the app Wigan Eve? I <laughs> I know of um, the website yeah. which this app came from, so I do so know. It is an app that yeah. translates yeah. Um, into Wigan yeah. vernacular. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Which I was quite obsessed with a little bit of time because I don't know why. I just love the musicality of the accent. We tend to take like a word and take the middle out of it. So instead of saying in the, we say in the. Mm-hmm. So there's like quite a common name for a pub in Wigan is Burning Sand. Burning Sand? Bird in the Hand. A bird? Burning Sand. <laughs> Oh, good. Okay, so if I'm ever in Wigan, then I need to find this pub. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but there's then, like, some bits of Wiganese that don't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Like, I'm clamped to you. All right. Which basically means I'm really, really hungry. That's also something that would be quite useful for people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, um, living in, like, Liverpool's not too far. So we have a similar thing yeah. where we just make our own words. Yeah, in uh, Liverpool, there's certain things where it's never just... Asda, yeah. always the Asda. It's got to yes. be the Asda. Yeah, going the Asda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, a few words that people just have no idea what they mean at all, like Bifta. Bifta, I know Bifta. Yeah. Is Bifta what I think it is? I don't know. You're JJ. No. <laughs> okay. Bifter. In Wigan, that means something else. A Bifta is a cigarette. So right. if a Scouser <laughs> goes to. <laughs> So They're don't be smoking bifters in Wigan, man. You me, you got a bifter, they're like, what? <laughs> no, that means... Excuse me now. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get, like, loads of, like, messages now from people from Wigan going, I've not a clue what she's on about. Bifter does not mean that. It's just you, you're on your own. Maybe that was just you assuming that that was what they were asking for. That's like, where my head went. No. Um, but the weird, I think the weirdest one is, um, like, if if... A group of kids want to try and fight you. Yeah, they get. They'll tell you that they're gonna fuck you. 
Seriously? Like, yeah. They're like, I'm going to fuck you. And you're like, you're going to what now? <laughs> You've not even bought me No, dinner. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not inclined that way. And yeah. they're like, oh, I'm going to fuck you. And you're like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> God, no, you're not. So <laughs> and it's just, yeah, that's just how they try and start fighting. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Very confusing. I must, I feel bad for all these little scallies. Yeah. Who are like, oh, I'm going to fuck you now. And they don't know what they're getting. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. Is this a lovemaking situation? Yeah. Or are we fighting now? <laughs> Have I got the right kind of underwear on? Did I yeah, brush my yeah. teeth? Do I need to light candles? And that's maybe got to smack. Do I need to chops? use them as a weapon? <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So I have quite a story for Ooh. you today. I'm excited. Yeah. Let me get comfortable in my yeah. chair. Get comfy. All right. Today we're going quite a bit back in time to 1901. You remember mm. that year? It was a good year. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was good times. There were... Good year for red wine, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I think every year is a good year for red wine. That's true. If there's wine being made, it's a good year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you the story of Evelyn Nesbitt. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to start right from her youth. So th- this is quite a story. Yeah. Okay, so I'm ready. I hope you're ready. Because <laughs> there there's a lot. All right? So, hmm. When Evelyn Nesbitt was about 10 or 11, her father died suddenly. Oh. And no, we're not starting on a high note here, no. I'm afraid, sorry. <laughs> so, uh, leaving their family penniless. They lost their home and possessions, and her mother was unable to find work as a dressmaker. So I'm sorry to you start. You didn't tell me I needed Kleenex. <laughs> yeah, you might. Do we have some tissues? Um, living through the charity of friends and family... Evelyn, her brother Howard, and their mother began living in a single room through a variety of boarding houses. Eventually, her mother was given some money, which she used to buy her own boarding house to create a source of income, and would occasionally make Evelyn, aged 12 at this time, collect the tenant's rent, as her mother didn't have the confidence to manage such a project accordingly. So she bought a boarding house, and then she was just too nervous to, to do the work that you have to do to, to have a boarding house yeah. like ask your tenants for the money yeah things like that they didn't have emails um, in that day no they couldn't just send a text like no. leave your money in this place so just like just sent evelyn down yeah go i'm just gonna send my 12 year old daughter down yeah to a bunch of people we don't really know yeah. <laughs> who will cut you if you don't give her your rent yeah we're gonna fuck you <laughs> not like that though <laughs> not in a good way um, so the family moved to philadelphia because obviously the boarding house didn't work out. Yeah. You know, surprise. I wonder shocker. why. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, where her mother was able to find work as a sales clerk at a department store. Evelyn and Howard would eventually work there also aged 14 and 12, respectively. Oh at the age of 12, Howard, at the age of 14, Evelyn, yeah. worked six days a week, 12 hours a day. She's building up quite a CV, Evelyn, isn't yeah. she? Yeah. I mean... Child labour laws obviously yeah. would not put into play at this point. Like you can't even you can't even like get your head around that, can you? Imagine like, like if you walked in to like Debenhams, yeah, and went to the perfume counter, and yeah. there's a twelve year old boy going, "Can I help you?" <laughs> You'd be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah. Can I spray this on you, man? Yeah, like, yeah. what? Tiemi <laughs> <laughs> Like, um, get back to school. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Get out of here. Uh, while working here, Evelyn met an artist who was struck by her beauty 
as they always are. And and asked her to sit for a portrait. He paid her $1 for five hours of sitting, which, for inflation's sake, is now $30. Still not worth it, I don't think. For five hours sitting. That's a numbum. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. That's a long sit. So I'd be like, um, at least a dollar an hour, maybe. Yeah. Like, you know. Uh, however, it did lead to her meeting and working with other artists in the Philadelphia area, and she began to earn more as an artist model than she did in the department store. She's networking. Yeah, she's working her way up. Yeah. Yeah, so we're starting, no money. Yeah. Homeless, basically, yeah. living in boarding rooms. So now she's starting to work with artists yeah we're gonna we're gonna keep building there's more building to go when her mother decided to move to new york to look for work the artist in philadelphia provided letters of introduction to the artists in the area to help boost evelyn's modeling career mrs nesbitt wasn't interested really so this is going to be a reoccurring thing okay (laughs) mrs nesbitt she comes in and out You'll you'll see. There's yeah. a lot of like, like flip flopping. I'm just you're already like either. fuck Mrs. Nebs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, however, after a few months with still no new job, she sent for the kids and made use of those letters for financial reasons. So she's like, no, thank you. Actually, yes, thank you. And I looked it up. She moved in June. Right. She sent for the kids and started sending Evelyn out doing modelling work in November. So she's like. Been a few months. Yeah. All right, then. I don't like this woman. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> like, we're, we're already on, off the Mrs. Nesbitt train. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is where things start going weird. Okay. Okay. Because okay. that was normal yeah. up to that point. But it helps to know the previous history and financial reasons for Evelyn becoming a model... Um, and also something her mother didn't enjoy but also lived off as she became Evelyn's momager. Yeah. So she's like, I don't want you doing it. Actually, I do want you doing it. You're making some money. I'm going to manage you now. Oh, my word. It's a reality TV show when they're making this. It is. She is the original Chris Jenner. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly where we're That's the vibes I'm getting. <laughs> the Chris Jenner vibes yeah. coming, coming through strongly. Uh, however, Mrs. Nesbitt was indecisive, reportedly unsophisticated, which is kind really? of not nice, is it? Where it's like 100 odd years later yeah. and people are like, yeah, she was unsophisticated though, wasn't she? <laughs> That's like the biggest shade ever, isn't it? From yeah. 1901. She was She's unsophisticated. So <laughs> uh, but she was also plagued with bouts of inertia, so wasn't the best momager to have. Right. Yeah. What's inertia? I. Because I remember when I was writing this, I was like, I better look up what inertia is. Yeah. And then I can... Is this like one of those, like, things that means something completely different today? It is a tendency to do nothing or to remain unchanged. Lazy. So, lazy. Lazy. It's a nice way of saying, couldn't be asked. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, sure, I can't be chuffed. Yeah. Um, So, (sighs) yeah. So, not the best momager. No. Not the best manager in the world at all. She's awful. She claimed in later interviews that she never let Evelyn post in the pose in the all together, which is basically a nice way of saying naked. That's that's Victorian. That's, a, that's for nude. lovely. <laughs> oh, I never let her pose in the all together. 
I don't know why she's Welsh. <laughs> yeah, I like the fact she's Welsh. <laughs> so suddenly Mrs Nesbitt is Welsh, which is not an accent I'm going to keep trying hey. because I'm terrible at it. Getting you all together. I never left a pause in the yard together. <laughs> uh, two portraits that, uh, from that time period show Evelyn in very little or partially nude. Now, at this time, yeah. she would have been about 15 or 16. Oh. Yeah, so she's young. Yeah. Um, A lot of this story is based around that time period where she was young. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, Through these portraits, photographs, etc., uh, Evelyn became one of the most in-demand models and her face started to be used on a variety of magazines and products. She graced the cover of Vanity Fair, wow. Harper's Bazaar and Cosmopolitan. Uh, it's weird to think that these <sighs> magazines have been around for so long. But yeah. when I read this, I imagined at the time that Cosmo had tips for like flashing your ankle in the best way. Um <laughs> Or what fan signal would help get you ploughed in the back of an automobile? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, that's all I yeah. ever see in Cosmo now is like, here's how to yeah. like eat ass properly or something. Yeah. Like it's always been very like overtly sexual. So I wonder. Yeah. In 1901, yeah. what was Cosmo like? Yeah. How? How? Yeah. How? How can you? Uh... How can you get your boyfriend in the aisle together? <laughs> <laughs> Ten top tips. Yeah. Uh, her likeness was also used to market such things as two-faced face creams, beer trays. Beer trays? Beer trays. So a face was actually on the tray of it. On the tray of the beer, yeah. That's weird, isn't it? Um, tobacco cards, pocket mirrors, and postcards. Now, the postcards... That's the most interesting thing because yeah. Evelyn pop- often posed in big nets dressed in a ver- variety of different guises. Right. Some more sensual than others, but these were known as mignon, which is sweet or lovely. Mignon. 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 Are we presuming that's French? <laughs> mignon. Yes. Yeah. So it's French for lovely postcard. So- mignon. Postcard. Well, at the time, French postcards were seen as very racy. Yeah. Um, But this was an alternative. Not like a Blackpool postcard. No. No. This wasn't like, you know, secret ones getting passed under a table. This would have been socially acceptable to have upon your person. Right. But still a little bit racy. So, this uh, led Evelyn to become the first pin-up girl. Wow. Yeah, so we're talking about the first pin-up girl, basically. Um, she posed for calendars for Coca-Cola, amongst other companies. No way. Yeah. So, 1901. 16. <laughs> um, yeah. Questionable. Uh, questionable time period. Yeah. Um, posing um, as a pin-up girl in sort of sheer clothing. Can and... you even, like, comparable to, like, today, Coca-Cola asking a 16-year-old to be like... Yeah, be the face of our calendar. Yeah. I mean, it's, it still does happen today. There's still yeah. 14-year-old models gracing the cover of magazines. Yeah. So. Yeah. We've still got some stuff to do. Yeah. There, really. Things like, to challenge. Yeah, we still have a way to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there should be a minimum age of 18. I'm totally invested in this now. Here. I can't wait to be about snaps. Oh, well, it... it 
you'll see. You'll see. <laughs> okay. So, along with being the first pinup girl, Evelyn began modeling for the early pioneer of fashion photography, Joel Feder. So this was, of course, less strenuous than artist modelling, yeah. and she earned $5 for a half day and $10 for a full day, which I know doesn't sound like much, but it's, it's the equivalent of $300 today. That's not bad. That's all right. I mean, it's that's better okay. than $30. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, she's now able to uh, support her whole family yeah. from her modelling. Yeah, the lazy so. one. That lazy one, she's like, oh, don't want to sell perfume today. Little Howard's like, I definitely don't, I have (laughs) asthma. (laughs) I miss breathing. (laughs) But Angel brings me out in hives. (laughs) Who is John Paul Gaucher? Eventually, Evelyn tired of long hours in the studios and her popularity attracted the attention of various theatrical promoters some of which were more legitimate than others. Mm. Uh, as is the way. <laughs> yeah. Still to today. Yeah. It's like, eh, yeah, dodgy. And uh, this was a cause of worry and concern for Mrs. Nesbitt, especially when Evelyn was offered the part in a popular play, Floridora. Floridora. <laughs> Floridora. Um, but soon changed her mind after learning that other female members of the show had left to marry millionaires. That's quite a pull, isn't it? priorities of Mrs. Nesbitt yeah. quite clear there. She's yeah. like, oh wait, they married millionaires, yeah. you say? Get in that chorus line. Yeah. Uh, so she joined the chorus line in 1901. Which seems to be quite a busy year for Evelyn. Like, a lot of things happened in 1901. We're this, still in 1901. Still in 1901. Highlight that. Yeah, it's like... Oh my god. Meteorical rise to fame, basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah. She doesn't need a YouTube channel, does she? Quite a year for her. Yeah. I know. <laughs> She didn't have, like, TikTok or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She played the part of Spanish maiden. You know, that really important role. Yeah. (laughs) Spanish maiden. Uh, After the contract ended, Evelyn continued to look for theatre work and won a featured role in a new play, The Wild Rose. After an interview with the show's producer made him sense that he had discovered a new sensation in Evelyn. She was still... About 15. Okay. Yeah. 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 Just gonna every now and yeah, then and just, just keep going. Drop that bomb. Heads up, she was still about 15. Yeah. <laughs> so in 1902, so she's probably about 16 by this point. Yeah. She's, we've, we've moved on from that one year that was quite, quite the quite year. Quite the year, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, she got a lot done. Yeah. You know, I mean, she obviously didn't have the same bouts of inertia as her mother. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's a word we know now. Yeah, we can lounge on the like, sofa and everyone asks us to do yeah. something and be like, I have a bout of inertia. Yes. Which is just can't basically... possibly lift that plate and put it in the bowl. Yeah. It's such a, like, a really nice way of going, yeah. can't be chuffed. Yeah. I'm going to use that every day at work. Yeah. Now. Everyone's like, what does this mean? <laughs> like, what, what is inertia? <laughs> oh, I love it, though. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to make it part of my... Um, when I go home every tonight, day, I'm vocabulary. Just like, I can't do anything. <laughs> I'm really suffering of inertia. I just can't. Yeah. I have a bath of inertia. Which is a perfume bottle that a son couldn't hold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. yeah. What would inertia smell of if it was perfume? I mean, it's laziness, so... 
It probably smelled like dishes that haven't been done that needed to be. And um, oh, I was going for stale that, biscuits. Oh, I was thinking like you know when you haven't bothered to do your laundry and you wear a top that's on the edge. On the edge. On the edge. And you haven't got any Febreze, and yeah. it's like oh, should I? So you just that? kind of like. You've already turned you it into a damp out. sponge. <laughs> Try and get some of the smell off, and then you put your deodorant over <laughs> your t-shirt. That's what it smells like. That's yeah. inertia. <laughs> that is Buy some inertia. now. <laughs> <laughs> you too could smell like this. Yeah. Go see old little Howard Nesbitt and get a bottle. <laughs> His hands, they're so small. <laughs> uh, in 1902, the New York Herald showcased her in a two-page article containing many photographs, of course, that charted her rise as a new actor and detailed her modelling career through to becoming a key cast member. Excellent. So they were basically like, get a lot of pictures of this one. Yeah. Put them in the newspaper. Yeah. Pin up girl. Yeah. How old is she? Let's not worry about that. Yeah. Hmm. So we're yeah. still thinking she's 16 at this point, she's yeah? About 15, 16. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the thing is that they're not entirely sure how old she was. Right. It's either 15 or 16. Yeah. Because her mother changed her birth certificate to... um get away with child labour laws. Oh my god. So her mother <laughs> Yeah. So her mother basically um changed the birth certificate so that she could work. It was through working in the chorus line that Evelyn was introduced to one Stanford White, an influential architect and womanizer. Oh oh dear. The womanizer. He is a womanizer. And there's songs about this. <laughs> Stanford was 46 years old at the time. Uh, Evelyn's still about oh. 15 or 16. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was also married, but his wife wasn't much a part of his social circle. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is quite... Why would he? I mean, yeah, they're just like, married. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's not that important. I mean, they had a child and such, but I think he was just like, bye-bye, I need to go architect down in New York. <laughs> Which is how they Which describe. is code word for something else, probably. Yeah, he's architecting something. He's, yeah, oh, he's, he's erecting something. He's re- yeah, building up a <laughs> <laughs> new sensation. Um, of meeting Stanford for the first time, Evelyn stated that his large stature was appalling and she found him to be terribly old. Hmm. I mean, to be fair, when you're 15, yeah. if you met someone that was like, 25 or so. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. 21, they're old, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's old when you're that age. Well, because I keep getting people asking me, like, what Bilesse was like a decade ago or so. And, you know, it's like, because there, there are people now in the scene who are 20. Yeah. Which, when I started performing, they would have been like seven. Oh my God. It's very odd. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember, like, when I was 15. Yeah. And, uh, my granddad would have been about 65, and I used to think, that is ancient. Yeah, Whereas that's now... so old. And yeah. nowadays it's like, oh, that's only 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, I've already lived more longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. yeah, you're 35, so you're a year older I like me. you, Millie, and I've always said that. No, I'm not 35, but that's the age I'm going to be forever then. known as from now on. Okay, because I'm um, 34, yeah. so, you know... Yeah. I love I love the fact that you place me at just a year older than you. <laughs> we get to tick the same box when it says yes. your age range. Like, I hate the ones now that they're like 
it used to be like 20, I'm on the cost for cost for being in the next box. Yeah. And now but now they've changed it. There's more boxes. Oh is there? Yeah. Oh. So sometimes I get to tick twenty five to like thirty five. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And then now it's like thirty to forty. <laughs> no, I'm in denial about this. Like I'm still nineteen in my head. I'm I am still a thirteen year old in my head. Yeah. I, it I just doesn't feel like no. those years really happened. But yeah. I'm aware that they did. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, for her at the age of fifteen, looking at this forty six year old man. That must have been so daunting and so yeah. terrifying. Yes. Really. But yet wanting to please and wanting yet. to progress in her career and oh. Yeah. Well, she still accepted an invitation to dine at White West twenty fourth Street apartment. Right which is one that span over many floors and was elaborately decorated. So she went with the chorus girl that introduced them. Right. Uh, and Edna Goodrich. Right. Which sounds like such a made-up name. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like that's off Harry Potter. Yeah. Or something like, oh, Edna Goodrich. Like, good witch, good witch. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they feasted elaborately upon dishes prepared by Del Monico's restaurant, which I'm assuming is an off-market yeah. fancy place, and Evelyn was allowed a single glass of champagne. So, just one. So she's allowed to come round for dinner? Yeah. But she's only allowed one. She's only allowed the one glass of champagne. Okay. And there were other guests at right. this party, which makes the next part a bit strange, because it doesn't specify if it was just the three of them or if there were other people around for this. Okay. So. I'm slightly terrified about this next time. Afterwards, it's more weird, I think. Okay. Um, afterwards, they descended the stairs up two floors. So this was like a big apartment. Massive. Uh, yeah. He was absolutely loaded, huge. wasn't he? He was absolutely he was loaded. He was proper loaded. Uh, he, he was at least worth $15,000. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Inflation. Um, so they descended the stairs up two floors to a room decorated in green where a large red velvet swing was suspended from the ceiling covered in ivy-like vines. This is weird. <laughs> yes, this is weird. I don't know what I thought you were going to say, but I never thought you were that. <laughs> wasn't that that you were thinking. No. Um, Evelyn was amused by the swing and consented to sitting in it, to which Stanford began pushing with increasing momentum. <laughs> your face right now. I wish you I could see, wish you could see like... the face. You're just like, ah, what? <laughs> so yeah, so she was like, oh, that's cute. There's a swing. And he's like, hey, get a little swing. I'll push you. Wee. And uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> again, this is like Neverland all over again. Yeah. It, it gets weird. Uh, a game ensued where Edna held a paper Japanese parasol by a cord and Evelyn would swing and kick the parasol while Stanford pushed. Okay, so by this point, <laughs> we know that this is a weird situation. Yeah. Like, this is strange. Yeah. And is it a very elaborate fetish? Yeah. That he's like, I just really like to push women on swings. Yeah. Like In green rooms. Yeah. You'd like They sort of stem from childhood, don't they, fetishes? Yeah. So I'm wondering, was he in a playground one day yeah. and, like, he got hit in the balls with a swing? Or, uh, like, like, or like, like, tickling feeling when you 
I know. Like when you when you're doing the momentum. Yeah. Do you think he ever went into the room on his own and was just on his swing going wee? <laughs> just, yeah. Just swinging himself. Yeah. I think like he probably didn't do any architecture whatsoever, and that was what the code word was. <laughs> Architect was actually a code word. Sit for in my room and I swing. Singing on a swing and just like. But like Swinging room would mean something very different now. Yeah, it would. but it was very literal. But I mean, there's to, no to wonder his wife didn't move in the same social circles yeah. because she's like, I don't really want to. Uh, I don't want to sit in the swing anymore, Stanford. No, she's like, go on, please sit in the swing. She's like, no, <laughs> this is weird. Stanford. She's throwing up because she's been doing it for fifty six times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's like, oh, because they had a kid. You imagine like she, yeah, I'm having morning sickness. And he's like, go on. Instead of a birthing pool, it was a birthing swing. Yeah. Just pop the baby out yeah. and it goes through the Somebody paper parasol it. like, yay! <laughs> Goal! Got it in one! <laughs> it is said that nothing improper took place on this day, however. So, yeah. Stanford appeared as a kind, generous man. He won over the trust of... Mrs. Nesbitt, who Mrs. grew Nesbitt. to like him. Fucking Mrs. Nesbitt. Mrs. Nesbitt. Especially after he moved Evelyn and her family into an elaborate suite at the Wellington Hotel, which was a hotel he had decorated. So he did some architecting in yeah. between singing. Are you getting Hotel Cortez vibes from American Horror Story right <laughs> A little bit. Just yeah. like, and there was a vampire. <laughs> and um, so... He decorated the hotel and put Evelyn in a room yeah. that was white and rose red. The drawing room, which I love that there was a drawing room in the hotel suite, yeah. uh, was a deep green, green, similar to his swinging room. Okay. Yeah. So there's a theme. There is a theme. That he obviously there. likes quite a bit there. So this is where you're going to start hating Mrs. Nesbitt. <clears throat> uh, can, can it get it? If you don't already. Stanford arranged for Howard, Evelyn's brother, just a heads up, Howard with his tiny hands, uh, to attend the Chester Military Academy near Philadelphia. He also talked Mrs. Nesbitt into visiting friends in Pittsburgh as she needed the break. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, momaging is really hard. It's, yeah. um, she's got to manage the Instagram. Yeah. There's TikTok. She's got to manage that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Facebook pages, Twitter accounts. You know, yeah. the whole follow on follow. Yeah, I mean, selfies. Yeah, yeah. She's like, she gives a quick over the shoulder pose on that swing there, love. Yeah, um, yeah. So obviously, she's been working hard. Yes. Yeah, had to have a break. Um, when Mrs. Nesbitt worried about Evelyn being left unchaperoned in New York, Stanford assured her that he would watch over the young girl. Ah. <sighs> Yeah. 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 Okay. So I'm afraid this is where, again, we're going to get a bit dark. Okay. Heads up. Yeah. Trigger warnings. Trigger warnings. All that kind of thing for this next part. And probably for the rest of the podcast. I'm so sorry to not have bought you, like, here's a dead, nice, chewy story. It's like, nope, this is fucked up. Um, So, several nights after Mrs. Nesbitt went to Pittsburgh, Evelyn died alone with Stanford in his apartment. Drinking champagne all the while. So, so she's allowed more than one this The time. one glass rule has gone out the window. Turn it around. A couple of bottles. Mm. Uh, Stanford then gave Evelyn a guided tour of the apartment, ending with the unveiling of his mirror room. Uh-oh. 
10 foot by 10 foot room on the same floor as the swinging room, which, you know, mm. we've mm. covered that, mm-hmm. um, was entirely panelled in mirrors on the walls and ceiling and furnished with a single green velvet sofa. Mm. Now, 10 foot by 10 foot is yeah. not that big. Yeah. And I imagine if you're drinking a lot of champagne yeah, and it's you're good. sat in a room that's nothing but mirrors. It's going to disorientate you very quickly. Yeah, you'd, you'd feel terrible yeah. quite quick. Yeah. So it's like designed to make you feel disorientated. I, I don't know. I don't know if it was a um, purposeful disorientation tactic or just a bit of a perv kind of wanting to see things from Either different way, angles. it's not tactic. looking good, is it? It's not. No. Here, they continued to drink champagne. And Evelyn eventually lost consciousness. Oh my god. Yeah. Stating that her last memory was of being seated in the mirror room. She awoke lying naked in bed next to Stanford, who was also nude. He had taken advantage of the young woman who had been a virgin. Yes. A bad man. Yes. He's a bad man. Uh, but after this period, the two became regular lovers and companions. But this relationship ended when she found that he had been seeing other women and also keeping track of them all in a little black book. Oh my god. So, not only were you discussing the first pinup girl, yeah. but we're also discussing the kind of origin of the little black book. Yeah. Yeah. So, he's a womanizer, rapist, basically. Yeah. Groomer. Absolute dick. Horrible old man. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. No. Not good times. Mrs. Nesbitt, no clue what's going on. What a bitch. What an idiot, really. Yeah. Like, I don't know if she was just yeah. extremely naive. naive. Yeah. Well, they grew, you know, he's obviously groomed her and the brother as well. Yeah. As Evelyn. But there is also that thing of he had also sent her son to school, given yeah. them um, a place to live, yeah. and was obviously giving them money to live off yeah so our part of the grooming process horrible yeah horrible man yeah so they broke up and evelyn moved on she briefly dated a few men but stanford white still remained a, a potent presence in her life as he continued to be her benefactor so he was still looking after her but yeah. he was no longer grooming her right Basically, this be- all began to unravel once Evelyn met one Harry Kendall Thorpe. Okay. Harry was the son of a Pittsburgh coal and rail baron and the heir to a $40 million fortune. Which in those days? Yeah, is a lot. That's a like lot. basically a billionaire. We're talking Bill Gates levels. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're up there with Jeff Bezos. Kind of hoarding all that money, like I need it all yeah. for me. Like in when Harry Potter went green got that big like yeah. room. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like sat there. It's like it's gold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I don't, I don't think we're ever going to get sponsorship from Amazon, but I would like <laughs> them to pay their tax bill. Yeah, that'd be great, Jeff Bezos. I know you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> he loves a bit of cabaret history. He's like, yeah. Oh, oh no, it's been ruined for me. Um, but being the heir to forty million dollar fortune helped him nicely to live a reckless, self-indulgent life. 
no shit there. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you going to do if you're worth that much money? Like, what the fuck I want? Yeah. Uh, Harry had attended 40-something performances of The Wild Rose. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, cultivating an unhealthy obsession over Evelyn, and even before meeting her, he gained a burning resentment for Stanford. So he's like, I don't like, well, I don't like Stanford. That's not a bad thing, is it? It's well, no. Um, he but the <clears throat> reason that he didn't like Stanford was because he believed that Stanford had blocked Thor from being accepted in social circles, but. He also believed that Stanford was a womanizer who preyed on very young girls. So he was very right about yes, that. Like, exactly. that's the truth. Yeah. Whether or not he was... Honourable. The, the person yeah. that was like, ooh, you don't want to speak to old millionaire Harry Thor. He's a fucking weirdo. And from the sounds of all accounts, he was. Yeah. So, Thor arranged a meeting with Evelyn via an intermediary and introduced himself as Mr. Munro. Just strange. This is just a strange bit that I've, like, I, I like this story <laughs> part of it, because it's just, it kind of shows you how batshit he was. Yeah. Uh, he showered Evelyn with gifts and money while concealing his true identity from her. When the time felt right, he declared rather elaborately, confronting Evelyn and stating, I am not Monroe." <laughs> I am Harry Kendall Thor of Pittsburgh. Evelyn, however, did not react with as much surprise as he had expected. <laughs> he was like, ha ha! She's like, yeah, okay. He was expecting like a Clark Kent Superman moment, wasn't yeah. he? Was well, like, oh he must have been expecting like, <gasps> no, the Thor from <laughs> Pittsburgh. She was just like, uh-huh, uh, yeah. Whatevs. All right, well... Evelyn was someone in, somewhat indifferent about his revelation as she had become used to wealthy men's attention. But it was already evident that he was wealthy. So yeah. Yeah. And I've put here in my notes, womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, I'm going to plan this a lot. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. Hey, I'm wealthy. She's like, I know you keep buying everything. You <laughs> bought me a car. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? We read that article in Cosmopolitan when they said about the fan signal in the back of an automobile, and you're like, I'm gonna get her an automobile with a fan. <laughs> so, in 1903, Evelyn underwent emergency surgery, okay. uh, which has been the cause of some speculation. Officially, it was labelled as acute appendicitis. Sources state, including from Evelyn's own grandson, that it was an abortion. Right. This was frequently denied, but the medical attention made Harry want to showboat towards Evelyn some more. So it was not, it wouldn't have been Harry's child. Yeah. It would have been someone else's, possibly yeah. Stanford, possibly yeah. one of the men yeah. that she saw in yeah. between. Yeah. Yeah. But he ensured that she received the best health care available before whisking her away on a trip around Europe to help Evelyn recover from her surgery. <laughs> so, yeah, you know when you're in hospital yeah. and you've just gone through a surgery yeah. and you're like, I must go to Italy now. Yeah. That. Yeah. Say yeah. Europe, they could have gone to Wigan. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like they went in like a non-stop tour of Europe. So, yeah. Uh, Mrs. Nesbitt, oh, your old pal, oh, Mrs. Nesbitt, yeah. uh, 
joined them on the trip to maintain propriety over Evelyn. But the trip, Harry or her mother being there, didn't help much with Evelyn's recovery. Can relate oh. to that one. Like, yeah, yeah no shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean. uh, Harry had created a non-stop itinerary, possibly de- designed to weaken Evelyn's emotional resistance and exhausting her mother. This led to the two women bickering due to mounting tensions and Mrs. Nesbitt insisting they return to America. Instead, mm-hmm. Harry and Evelyn went on to Paris, leaving her mother in London. <laughs> uh, when the pair hit Paris, Harry began pressing Evelyn to become his wife. However, Evelyn was well aware of Harry's obsession with female chastity, which is, you know, a normal obsession to have, obviously, yeah. um, and couldn't accept his proposal without revealing the full extent of her relationship with Stanford. Uh, yeah. Now, this is where things get fucky. Okay. Okay, this is where everything goes, whoa. Okay. All right. For hours, Harry continued to inquisition her about her relationship and drew out the details from a hysterical Evelyn about the night she lay intoxicated while Stanford took advantage of her. Thor became agitated and declared Mrs. Nesbitt to be an unfit mother for allowing the situation. Which, Which you cannot argue with. Fair. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Harry Thor, not a nice guy. Not a good guy. So the two continued their travels with Thor choosing a strange agenda of a tour of sites dedicated to the cult of virgin martyrdom. Okay. Yeah. So virginal martyrs across Europe. Okay. Which I don't know if it's the same as like a spook tour or a ghost tour or something where they're like, and this person died a virgin here. (laughs) It's a really (laughs) odd tour. Yeah. Uh, At the birthplace of Joan of Arc, he wrote in the visitor's book that she would not have been a virgin if Stanford White had been around. Wow. So he's throwing some shade. He went to France. Yeah. Threw a bit of shade. Yeah. In a visitor book. Yeah. That Stanford would never see. Yeah. And someone but it probably made read him feel better. And was like, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like when Justin Bieber went to Anne Frank's house and said, I bet she would have been a believer. And everyone was like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like that. You know, out of touch. Crazy person. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I'm afraid this is where it gets worse. Okay. Harry grew increasingly erratic, taking Evelyn to a castle in Austria, where he had isolated all of the staff to one end of the castle, while he and Evelyn took the other. This is when she unfortunately saw a new side Uh -uh. to Harry. Harry locked Evelyn in a room where over a two-week period, he began to beat her with a whip and sexually assault her. Oh, don't. She's just That's... straight up not having a good time with these guys. No. Um, once he finished his torture, he became apologetic, but in a rather strange, upbeat mood after this mani- man- maniac and violent outburst towards Evelyn. So he was like, oh, sorry about that. Anyway, he kind of went into a a, a kind of cheery disposition. This is just... Something's not right in in this guy's mind at all. 
Uh, on her return to New York, Evelyn disclosed this to a group of friends what had happened in Austria. Mm. This led others to come forward with more dark disclosures about Harry. Oh my gosh. How he was also on morphine and just straight up crazy. Oh my Which, God. yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you can see that now. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately for poor Evelyn. Yeah. A bit late. Like, if her friends knew this, I do wonder why they didn't just say beforehand. Like, yeah. Oh, heads up, did hear about this thing. Maybe you should know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thor began to obsessively pursue Evelyn still over the next four years, pushing her for marriage. <sighs> yeah. Please don't say that you're not married, Millie. <laughs> Spoiler alert! After realising <laughs> that her relationship of any kind with Stanford had to end, but fearing a return to poverty after her mother remarried and became estranged from her daughter... Oh, really? So her mother got married and she was like, I don't give a shit. Right. Goodbye. Off. Yeah. Oh, this, this led to Evelyn finally consenting to marry Harry. No. After he promised he would leave a chaste life and that his anger was directly only to Stanford, who he labelled a beast. Harry also declared that he forgave Evelyn. Oh my god, it's like... So, the fuck? Out of the yeah. frying pan the fire situation this sounds like. yeah yeah i mean this is at that sort of time of rule of thumb and you know yeah women were very much treated as second class citizens yeah but yeah yeah the two married in 1905 <sighs> i'm sorry everyone i wish i could have said like so this is and... five year period this, this is, is a five, a five year, year period. all this happened to this girl in a five year period yeah. so at this time she would have been like 20 21 yeah yeah. Oh my god. Still very young. Yeah, um, yeah. Harry chose her wedding attire, forgoing the white dress for a black travelling suit decorated with a fur trim. I don't, um, I, I'm not sure if that was like him trying to be a little pointed. Yeah. By going, well, you can't wear white, you know. Yeah, but that's still pretty out there for that mm. sort of time period, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, considering he was like an heir. To a very large fortune, yeah. you would think that there would have been a lot of uh, scrutiny onto the, yeah. the wedding. You know, yeah, you can right. traditional like, sort of like hello magazine because yeah. back then it was transatlantic accent, so it would have been like more yeah. hello rather than yeah. hello. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they were there I and uh, they drew some nice pictures of things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, Evelyn had to agree to give up her life of modelling and acting to become the new mistress of millions. And she became rather isolated, mm. having to bend to Harry's mother, who had strict religious precepts, and leading a rather dull life, surrounded by people that she labelled herself as anything but intellectuals. Is this shared again? She's throwing shade. She's throwing shade. She's like, they were thick as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, basically she's bored. Um, she's got that whole bird in a gilded cage type thing. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's just got all that creative sort of. Yeah, she's not able to do anything. Um, she just sort of sits around, and yeah. Right after, after they were married, Harry began a zealous campaign of exposing Stanford White. My God, becoming more erratic and even paranoid, believing that Stanford had hired members of the Monk Eastman gang to kill him. 
Oh my god. Yeah. So he's like, this is going on. Um, he's a bad man. Like he called him the beast. Yeah. He's writing in books around Europe that he's a bad man. Um, yeah. Stanford, however, was unaware that Harry Kendall Thor had a plot against him. Yeah. Stanford believed Harry to be a clown and called him the Pennsylvania pug due to his baby faced features. <laughs> so just imagine like a pug faced man. Yeah. Um cross I'm, I'm imagining like I don't know why, but like a pug faced man with the count of like the Muppets. The count. I don't know why I don't know why that image is like to my head. Forty million. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Bad, both bad men. Both bad men. Um, just... So, are you ready for this? This is the no. showdown. Oh this my, is right. All right. This I'm is done. the showdown. Okay. Okay. On the twenty fifth of June, nineteen oh six. Yeah. So this is like a six year period. Six year period. This is all wrong. Right. Harry and Evelyn were stopping in New York before boarding a luxury liner to Europe. Evelyn felt rather tense and uneasy that day as Harry kept popping in and out of their hotel room to take care of things for their voyage. He then surprised Evelyn with two tickets to a new play opening that night at Madison Square Gardens. Fancy. Yeah, accompanied by two of Harry's male friends. So, a bit of a weird date. Okay. <laughs> they stopped at the Café Martin where they inadvertently saw Stanford before they went on to the theatre. So... Obviously, high society, yeah. New York, yeah. you'll see a lot of the same people yeah, in this same high circles. society event. Yeah. Despite the great heat, it's said to be an extremely hot day, yeah. which didn't dissipate through the day at all. Even when it was dark, it was still boiling hot. Yeah. Harry refused to take off the long black overcoat he wore over his tuxedo for right. the entire evening. Okay. So he sat, watched the play. In the overcoat. In the overcoat. In the boiling heat. In June, in New York. In 1906. This is... <laughs> Hot as fuck. Odd. Strange behaviour. Yeah. Alright. So, as the show started to draw to an end about 11pm, Stanford took place at the table that was customarily reserved for him. So he yeah. always had his own table. Yeah. Regular. Yeah. Spotting this, Harry would tentatively approach him before withdrawing in hesitation a number of times. Okay. So he kept kind of going, so he's no, building up to no, something. No. Yeah. yeah. Mm. During the finale number of the play, he, all about the drama, this guy, yeah. Harry produced a pistol and standing two feet behind Stanford, fired three shots into Stanford's head and back, killing him instantly. Oh my God. Which is, yeah. Bad enough. But then, Harry then stood over his body, held his gun up and addressed the crowd. He declared something along the lines of, I did it because he ruined my wife. He had it coming to him. He took advantage of the girl and then abandoned her. You'll never go out with that woman again. This guy is batshit. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like bad man versus bad man. Yeah, it's like he recognises he was a bad man, just, but doesn't recognise it himself. Yes. 
Yeah, that's the weirdest thing. He's like, she took advantage of this girl. Yeah. Meanwhile, he'd spent two weeks. Genuinely, believe she was terrible because yes. he obviously drove him to do that. Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't recognise mm-hmm. his own behaviour. Yeah. Wow. Controlling men. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the quintessential controlling guy that yeah. of like, yeah. I will treat you terribly, but no one else can. Yeah, I can do anything because yeah. I'm very rich. Yeah. I'm an insane millionaire. Some people love me, except for this guy. And I have a fizz like a bug. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and I laugh like the count. And I help your brother. He doesn't have to hold the perfume anymore. With the tiny <laughs> hands. With the tiny hands. Um, think of, okay. <laughs> I'm laughing because this bit is weird. Okay. The crowd thought that the shooting was part of the show. Oh, my God. Elaborate. Practical jokes were popular in high society at that time. It became apparent, however, that it was not, especially as parts of Stanford's face had been blown off. Oh, my God. He shot him from the back. At what point did they realise that? I don't know. I I mean, no idea. They were just like... Yeah, I just, I like, just imagine. Oh, like, oh, oh Stubbs' face is all over the back of your jacket. Come here. I just imagine one guy at the back just like... <laughs> yeah. Yes, that was very good. Yeah. Very bravo. realistic bravo. effects. Bravo, bravo. Yeah. Didn't know Stanford was in for such high jinx. <laughs> oh, is that his nose on my shoulder? That's Stanford. <laughs> yeah, he's such a card. <laughs> um, yeah. Harry walked towards the elevator where Evelyn was stood, unaware of what had taken place. Oh, no. She asked him what he had done as he was still holding up the gun. He answered that he had probably saved her life. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yes. <sighs> yeah. But yeah. the thing is, this is in Madison Square Gardens. Oh, my God. Which is still there today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a very busy yeah. place. Yeah. There was a lot of people there yeah. who witnessed this. Um, and also addressing the crowd afterwards. Yeah, gloating. Yeah, gloating about it. Look, I'm I'm the savior. Yeah. Look what I did. I got rid of this horrible man. Well. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> when Harry was taken into custody, Evelyn managed to extradite herself in the ensuing chaos, which I can imagine there was a lot when they yeah. were like, "Oh wait, this yeah. wasn't not part of the show." Uh, she stayed for several days with the chorus girl she had been friends with. The news was front paper by morning. So this had happened about 11pm. Yeah. Somehow it was already front page news the next day. Yeah. So they must have been like, stop the presses! Like, yeah. they'd done that whole thing. Yeah. You know. Um, they had barely any facts, but it didn't stop the pr- tabloid press from heavily covering the story. Right. So they knew fuck all. But they, they made like, it up anyway. Throw some pictures that in there. Familiar, Let's do... I know. I can't think of any times that the tabloid would stoop so low to so do stuff like that I now. Know. I mean, things have changed now. Yeah. What about the time we live in? Uh... <laughs> okay. This is where you're going to groan. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Everyone out there is going to go, Ugh! Uh-oh. Harry Kendall Thor was presented as a heroic figure. Oh! Who had married Evelyn in spite of her past. Mm. Harry had protected his woman. His mental instability, drug addiction, and abusive behaviour was downplayed. 
Yeah. <laughs> this is why we're like angry. <laughs> like, this is fucked up. This is... Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I can't think of another time where the woman was taken advantage of yeah. and the press... Um, you know, crucified her. Yeah. <laughs> Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, we couldn't list off any examples in recent times. No, no, at all. all, could we? No, no, there's, um, there are zero sexual predators nowadays and Epstein didn't kill himself. <sighs> so, yeah. Evelyn was, however, painted as a woman who had sold herself to Stanford before selling herself to Harry. <sighs> Her mother was also cast in a bad life, with reporting stating that she knew better and that she was sacrificing her child's soul for money. Hmm. The coverage of the case and all of its sordid details led to church groups lobbying in restricting the media coverage. Interesting. President Theodore Roosevelt was in discussion with the US Postmaster General but while censorship was threatened, it was never carried out. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Even back then. Yeah. They're like, this is much. Yeah. This is too much. Yeah. Um, the week, uh, A week after the shooting, a film titled The Rooftop Murder was released in Nickelodeon theatres after being rushed into production by Thomas Edison. So this podcast has like cameos. <laughs> like... like there's Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah. And there's Thomas Edison. Yeah. Somehow getting involved uh in this case in a really weird way. Amazing. So yeah. Hmm. So you wanna know what happens next? <laughs> I don't know if I can take it. I'm so sorry. There's like there's three pages left. Uh, <laughs> yeah, tell okay. Me, tell me. The Thors used their wealth to enter a plea of temporary insanity. Temporary insanity. Paying multiple doctors to state as such. And they paid up to $500,000 to various doctors to get them to state that temporary insanity could have made him kill Stanford. (sighs) Mother Thor did not want people looking into the family's past and their hereditary insanity. So basically, they're all insane. They're all insane. They all needed help that they weren't getting at that time because, you know, their mental health wasn't really seen as a thing now. Yeah. Uh, Like nowadays, when everyone's really good at mental health and you can call into work for a mental health day. Yeah. Can't do that at all. (laughs) Um, That should be a thing, though. Yeah. For sure. We should be allowed to call up and say my mental health's too bad today. I need the day off. I mean, we're only talking about this today, about... um, Mm -hmm how we all need to get some mental health first training and it should, you know, first aid training because it should be, you know, the same as you should have a first aider and a mental health first aider. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It should be compulsory. Yeah, and not enough people are getting the help that they need. No. Um. So, no. yeah, so you can imagine back then, Yeah. they would have been like, they're insane, but... Yeah. They also promised Evelyn a comfortable financial future if she testified favourably in Harry's defence. Money again. Money. money, money All money. the money. It's got, you know. Mm. On the stand, she was to portray a pitiful character of an innocent woman betrayed by the le- viscous. I can't say this word. Le- You're asking me, it. I'm from Wigan. It's like, I know. Le- lascivious. 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 
Lascivious. Lascivious. Lascivious. Lascivious. Lascivious. She has to betray a pistol character of an innocent woman betrayed by the prick Stanford Yeah. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, and Thor had acted as her white knight, avenging her ruin. Uh, yeah. yeah. So much wrong with that. Mrs. Nesbitt cooperated with the prosecution. Okay, so this is the one time where Mrs. Nesbitt came through. Right. But remained absent during the trial. Of course she did. Howard blamed Evelyn for Stanford's death as he looked to him as a father figure. So yeah, so her own brother was like, it's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. And she's blamed. like, um, <laughs> what the fuck, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So Harry was trialed twice with Evelyn as the star witness, where she had to regale in an open court the intimate details of her first night with Stanford White. Something that up until that point, only she, Stanford and Harry knew about. Right. So now this became public knowledge. Yeah. Not easy. No. At all. Not easy for anyone to do that. Due to the amount of publicity around the case, the jury was sequestered for the first time in American history. Yeah. So they didn't want any influence at all. After 47 hours of deliberation... 47. 47. The jury remained deadlocked. No. With seven saying guilty yeah. and five saying innocent. Right. Yeah. So, one year later, so he at least served a year. Yeah. At the second trial, Harry pleaded temporary insanity. Yeah. And was found not guilty. Sentenced to involuntary commitment for life to the Matawian State Hospital for the Criminally Insane in New York. Right. So, involuntary commitment. Didn't get a say. Like, you have to go there now. Yeah. His wealth allowed him to arrange his accommodation to his comfort and granted a variety of privileges. I bet it did. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... Yeah. Basically. I'm fucking rich. Yeah. Do what I want. Yeah. Uh, Harry then spent the next seven years working with a legal team to have him declared sane. So he's like, I'm insane. They're like, yeah. okay. And they're like, I'm sane again. Yeah. Let me out. Yeah. Um, but he was successful. So he'd served roughly eight years for the public execution of Stanford White. Yeah. And no time for what he'd done to Evelyn. It's just. Yeah. Disgusting. Get ready to groan again. Okay. The money promised to Evelyn dried up as the family no longer supported her after the second trial. The payments that had been made were inconsistent and far from generous. The family cut her off despite her giving birth to her son, Russell Thor, who she said was conceived during a conjugal visit to Harry in Matawian State. He denied paternity to Russell for his entire life. Oh my god. Yeah. Bad man. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. So she had a son to this guy. Yeah. Her family were like, meh, bye. Yeah. Um, See ya. Yeah. Yeah. In 1911, Evelyn reconciled with her mother. 
So Mrs. Nesbitt's back. Okay. Back in the picture. Okay, Mrs. Um, Nesbitt, come through. Come yeah, on. you better come through. Um, who helped look after Russell while she looked for work to support them. Finding success on the stages of vaudeville and silent movies. So her mother was like, okay, yeah, I fucked up majorly many times. But I'll look after your kid. Yeah. <laughs> Not really someone I would trust for yeah, the kid right she's now. she's a great role model, yeah, isn't she's she? Brilliant. And she's that like, kid's going to turn out just fine. Yeah. Oh, the, the strange man in the overcoat said he'd look after wee Russell. That's fine. It's like, no, you're yeah. a bad man. Bad man. In 1915, she divorced Thor. Yeah. So it took like nine years after... Nine years. Nine years until she divorced him. Um, and then she married the dancer Jack Clifford, who she created a double act with. Cool. The marriage was sadly not a success. No. As audience would not let her forget her past as the lethal beauty associated with the Playboy killer. <sighs> this led to Jack struggling with his wife's infamy and losing his own identity. But he left her in 1918, but they didn't divorce until 1933. Oh my god. Yeah, there's not a reason for that, as far as I'm aware. Um, I don't That's know why they stayed married, because, yeah. I mean, legally they were only together for two years. Yeah. But it was only in 1933 that they actually divorced. Yeah. It's so maybe they waited until one of them wanted to remarry. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, at that time, being a divorcee was, it was new. not the one. She would have been twice divorced. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, yeah. Not good yeah. for social standing, was it? No. She would have lost a lot of followers on Instagram. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Through the 1920s and 1930s, Evelyn found herself on the stages of burlesque. Hooray. But not working as a stripper. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what she did. It didn't say. Oh, it just yeah. says she worked on the stages in burlesque. It's like, doing, doing what? what? On the I mean, they did have comedy, but I yeah. did never said that she was a comedian. She was a dancer. Yeah. Maybe she took part in skits. Like, yeah. I'm not really what sure. What could she do? Uh, in 1939, the then 53-year-old told the reporter, I wish I were a strip teaser. I wouldn't have to bother with so many clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Fact yes. science, people. Yeah. It's like, ah, that tracks. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. But then again, she's not seen my costumes. She is. There's a lot of stuff in there. Don't go uh, near the water. What? The water. Don't go water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't throw your costumes in a swimming pool. <laughs> right. Harry was still keeping tabs on Evelyn via private detectives. He, yeah. This guy won't let up. Yeah. Um, He's not obsessive at all, is he? No, not at all. But he did go and visit her in her hospital bed because um, she, after losing her job dancing at the Moulin Rouge Cafe, Evelyn, who was then dependent on alcohol and morphine, had tried to commit suicide by drinking a disinfectant. Oh, my God. The newspapers reported this as a rumoured reconciliation and they were photographed together. But nothing came of it. So right. he visited her. That was the end of that. Yeah. Um, he passed away in 1947, yeah. leaving Evelyn $10,000 in his will. $10,000? Yeah. That's like... That's that's not really a much for a guy that's... It's like a crumb from a cake. Million. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
Evelyn did various jobs through her later years, teaching sculpting in LA, and was a technical advisor on the movie The Girl in the Red Velvet Swing. A highly fictionalised tale of her life starring Joan Collins. No way. Released in 1955. She was paid $10,000 for that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that is the... Wild ride of Evelyn Nesbitt's life. She was the first pinup girl. Yep. Scandal. Yeah. Murder. Drama. Not so great Addiction. times. Yeah. Addiction. Um, working what? for various different things because she was in silent movies at one point, and then yeah. she had just sort of ended up uh, in going working her way down to burlesque because yeah. at the time it was considered like vaudeville performers very much looked down on burlesque performers. Yeah. So she kind of rose up like artist model yeah actress millionaire she was like the benjamin Button. she went from like yeah having like starting then, off at the top and then yeah and then going down to silent movies then yeah. vaudeville yeah. then burlesque yeah and then and i was teaching <laughs> yeah teaching ceramics and yeah. sculpting in yeah. la playing with a pot as well yeah she's like this this guy won't treat me wrong Making yeah. men out of clay. Yeah. Like, don't trust real Making ones. Making effigies out of clay. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> Just smashing them on the floor. Yeah. So it was um, some twists and turns there. Yeah. I'm sorry some I didn't bring you something like super jolly. Yeah. I'm afraid like all of the stories that I find the most interesting are unfortunately the ones where it's like, oh my God! <laughs> yeah. I can't believe all this stuff. But yeah. um, yeah, and Mrs. Nesbitt. Mrs. Uh, Nesbitt. Mrs. Nesbitt. Yeah, she was a bitch. Bit of a bit of an idiot, yeah. I think. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, she didn't um, didn't do the best by her children. No. Let's say. No. So, I mean, it does sound like she was put into uh, an unfortunate position when she, her husband died. Yeah, because uh, he'd been an attorney. Yeah. So he'd been making good so income. So he'd have been a good job. Yeah. Good and income. then suddenly all taken away. Yeah. Nowhere to live. Um, yeah. And we don't know if that affected her. You yeah. Know, you know, the but bit. the but. fact that she was a bit lazy and also. Yeah. We're hoping naive. Yeah. Like at the best, she was naive. I'm rooting for her to be naive because then that would just. <laughs> yeah. We hope make. that she was. If she wasn't, then she is. A bad woman. Yeah. Um, for we, Evelyn, had to deal with a lot of not very nice people in her life. No. So mm. much to go through in mm. such a short space of time as well. It really is. So the time period that all that happened in was like... Yeah, it was very fast. Very, very, yeah. very quick. So from 1901 becoming a model to yeah. 1906 when her yeah. husband shot uh, yeah. Stanford. Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah. That's mean, a lot in that's that. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That so it's no wonder she turned to Marfie. Yeah. I mean You can't really blame her for being like, I wanna forget my troubles because yeah. she's had a fair few. Yeah. So Yeah. And strength yeah. and resilience in that woman. Mm. But her son, yeah. uh, Russell Thor, yeah, he ended up being a pilot and was very good. Um he Came, it, it, there was some kind of a, a race, which is, you know, what they right. used to do. They were like, yay, we have planes now, let's race them. And yeah. Things like this. Um, and he came third ahead of Amelia Earhart, who became fifth in no the race. Way. Yeah. Uh, he was also uh, took part in the in World War Two uh, as yeah. a fighter pilot. Yeah. So, yeah. So there you go. 
Sounds so, as if he turned out okay. He turned then. out right. Yes. Hopefully didn't get this hereditary insanity yeah. that they seem to be hands. or tiny hands because <laughs> that wouldn't be good for a pilot would it no it wouldn't be like i can't or maybe reach it the is. button oh, or maybe that was the secret that's my my <laughs> came like third tiny hands <laughs> yeah he's like i can I quickly can... move this plane yeah. 360 <laughs> they're <laughs> small but they move fast <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Could be, we never know, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. There's any pilots yeah. out there, why don't you yeah. send a message in? And if uh, and the, the grandson of Evelyn is happening to be listening, he yeah. apparently knows some shit. <laughs> so, yeah. And she did release two autobiographies. Right. So if you wanted to know more details, yeah. you can find some details of Evelyn Nesbitt yeah. in her own words. We just we just so. want a happy ending, Millie. That's how we want. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound as though we'll get it. No, I'm afraid that's the end of the story for poor Evelyn. She continued working um, and then she passed away in a nursing home in the 60s at the age of 83. Yeah, I mean, she lived a long life. That's a good, that's a good, it's a good age. age for, yeah. you know, that sort of time oh, period. We sound, we, sound, we sound old now. Oh, it's a good age. 83 is a good age. age. 83, that's, a, that's quite nice age, yeah. I think. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm so sorry to have not bought you something super Yeah, I mean, you know, let's just brief a comedian to come on a podcast for a story that's <laughs> yeah. so dark and so sad. <laughs> but, yeah, we we found some moments in there, like we the did. Cosmo tips yeah. and the um, yeah. tiny-handed Howard. <laughs> the tiny-handed... Tiny-hands Howard! <laughs> <laughs> There's the jingle right there. Forget yeah. everything else. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why is it... Why is the song about some guy called Howard with tiny hands when the, the podcast is called Cabaret Darlings? Like, yeah. You need to listen to episode tiny number Howard. eight. <laughs> you could smell of old parts. <laughs> Inertia, madam. <laughs> 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 yeah. so, so, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and listening to my dark story that's going to keep you awake at night yeah, thank you <laughs> the next for, uh, few weeks or so providing the next three days of nightmares yeah I'm sorry um, no, so sorry. no it's um, very interesting to, to you and everyone out there who's going to have some crazy ass dreams about this yeah. weird situation yeah. but yeah in the end the bad men got their commands yes and that's roundabout some yeah. sort of justice yes and for another week that was cabaret darlings yeah.